Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. It's information, entertainment, and a lot more. On Heart Health Radio, I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefald. Hello. Hello. Beautiful outside. It's a wonderful day. We've got a lot of news. We've got uh, Johnston County, your town, where you practice. Well, I just love Johnston County um, because of the wonderful people who were there. And I knew that we uh, were suffering from a higher rate of COVID infection, but I had no idea it was the worst Infection rate in North Carolina. We are now to the point where the entire state is not red, but most of it is. Eighty some odd counties. How many are counties in red. are there in Georgia? There are exactly a hundred. Are you kidding? Yeah, that exactly. many. Yeah, there are a hundred counties. Well, we have relatively small counties. We also have a lot of counties yeah. that are you know low population, but yeah, a hundred yeah. counties. Wow. And the um, the point is, Johnson County is just one of the places where things are terrible. Dr. Weefall practices there. We'll talk with him about that. Larry King has passed away. Whether he passed away because of COVID, we know he did have COVID. He had COVID. He, got, he was in the paper. He got sick. All right. He's, he was 87 years old. We lost Hank Aaron this week. His name will come up during our shame segment. And apparently, Dr. Fauci has now said that he is very concerned about the South African variant. Yeah of COVID. And we've got some information about some of the treatments that may not work. What's not, what, these. what might not work? Well, you know, the, the stuff that uh, President Trump had, former President Trump had, which was the Regeneron monoclonal antibodies. And you know, people need to know that that's very much the same concept as the convalescent plasma. So the convalescent plasma you hear about are people who've had COVID. And therefore, they re- went and recovered. Right. They're convalescent. That's what that term means. You're recovering. And they have antibodies against COVID in their own blood. So basically, you take their blood, spin out the blood cells, and give you know, the yellow liquid that's not um, uh, blood anymore. It's right. the proteins. Well, Regeneron is a, is a cloned, uh, made in uh, the lab of these antibodies. It's one monoclonal. It's one particular pure antibody, whereas opposed to the convalescent plasma, you develop multiple antibodies against COVID. Right. And it looks like the British variant and the South African variant are being nasty players in this game. Mm-hmm. The patients aren't responding. Uh, to the convalescent plasma and to the uh, Regeneron. That's very scary. Now, the only thing that's made this story at all tolerable is the fact that we started out knowing nothing about it, knowing nothing about COVID, and then eventually guys like you figured out how to treat people. And and the problem is the dang mother nature. Right. Is uh, evolution. This is that. This is a form of a rapid evolution. Okay, so you get um, random mutations. The DNA is or the RNA is constantly. Uh, it's a chemical, so right. it's a very complex chemical, and it can have mutations that are rapid. And what happens is, if the virus mutates to a form that is more contagious, 
then the fact that that new mutant is more contagious is means it's going to spread and that mutation that is resistant to treatment is going to spread tremendously in the population, and it's very scary. Is this a lot like the fact that, you know, there is the the common cold? Yeah. But every year, isn't it a different common yeah, cold? Yeah, it's the same with the flu. Right. I mean, you know, influenza, and it's it, it changes mainly by different uh, internal components of the influenza virus, they they uh, exchange each other. So H1N1, it's the H protein, number one or number two or number three, and then the N, number one, number two, number three. And so every year we have a different combination, H1N2, H1N1, H3, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that's why the vaccine that we give for the flu, you have to guess um, well, we think next year, because of the patterns that we're seeing, that H1N1 is going to be the major one, and we create a vaccine against that particular one. Well, lo and behold, it's H2N2. We missed on the guess. Yeah. And therefore, it is effective, but less so. Fauci and the rest of them are saying that it looks like the vaccines that we have are going to afford protection against these mutants. Okay. Let's hope so. Even yeah. if it's maybe, you know, now the, the bread and butter garden variety uh, COVID is 95% uh, covered yeah. by the Moderna and the Pfizer and looks like AstraZeneca and J&J. So maybe it will be 60% effective. I don't know. That's a guess. Sure. I'm not – don't take my word on that situation as – uh, if, gospel. If but. you were running Moderna or Johnson & Johnson, mm-hmm. would you have that new variant in the lab right now? Right now. On? And see, the, the great thing about these two vaccines, Moderna and, and Pfizer, is that they're the messenger RNA of the spike protein. What does that mean? It means it's a glob of fat, and in, they, they dissolve into the glob of fat the messenger RNA for that spike protein. Well, they can change the messenger RNA. So suppose you know that the problem with the South African variant is that the spike protein is different and it has a different sequence or or chemical structure. Well, then make that one and stick it in the glob of fat instead of the garden variety. But the problem is going to be, are they going to let them do that? Are they going to let them change that mRNA without going through this huge 80,000-person trial. And I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I can't. I, I mean, it I mean, let's did put it take this way. several months to get this approved. Right. But what I would do if I were the FDA is have the trial ongoing with the distribution. Because, I mean, think I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I've published in molecular biology journals, and I can't see – uh, and if there's a scientist listening who knows I'm wrong, call in. Okay. Don't take this as gospel. But I can't see how the mRNA being a couple of chemical compounds different to create the new mutant mRNA can work differently. Because it's basically the same thing. You're getting the fat globule to go into your cells. The messenger RNA for the spike protein is yeah. being um, utilized by your own genetic machinery and causing the spike protein to come out. So if it's spike protein A mRNA and then spike protein B mRNA, how can you say that one is going to be safe and the other's not? I only am happy. Just change it. I only am happy that you understand that. 
Did I not explain that? You well? did explain that. You explained it beautifully. But you know, it's funny. Doctor and I have these conversations. And sometimes he he's trying well, see, to explain something why, to me. That's why you're so great on the show because but, I can explain things that you can't understand, and most is, other people will. It is like you know when your dog looks up at you and you <laughs> and the, you know that you're talking to the dog, and what the dog hears is bark, 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 food, bark, 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 <laughs> treat, and that's all he hears. But that's okay. I guess. I'm just happy that you understand it, well, and that there I are thousands of other people it. like you. I mean, you, you get this chemical sure. that makes. The the new yeah. spike protein, it's almost identical to the chemical that makes the old spike protein. Right. So in my mind, just make a new vaccine with the new chemical, and then it'll protect us against the new coronavirus. I but think, I think the FDA is going to make them go through another long trial. We literally have to move faster than we did the last right. time. And goofy as it is, this is the fastest drug these vaccines are the you can fastest. Change it in a heartbeat. But th- but we've done this in a record period of time. Right. So what I'm saying is we have the technique to build the vaccine. Right. And we just got to make one chemical change. And there's no real difference in how our bodies react to the new messenger RNA. So okay. why not just let them take the new messenger RNA, put it in the fat globule, yes. and give it to people? Because now, we've seen this movie. I guess. We've seen this movie. Oh, gonna... Why don't we just change this a little bit? Here, in fact, doctor, I'm so confident of it, I'm going to give myself the shot. I'll give myself shot. a new one. See, this is the guy. This is the guy in the movie <laughs> that they introduced at the beginning. He's a little sweaty. He's very nervous. Are you talking and about he says, World War Z and right, all these right. other... Right, right. He says, I'm go- I know this is going to work, so I'm going to give it to me. Okay. And next thing you know... That's why he's I'm not the saying hero. that this is not the gospel right here. Right. This is my question. Now... If there is a scientist who knows it better than me, <laughs> then tell me. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Now, the one part of this whole thing that I understand and understood from the very beginning is that the Chinese Communist Party, the rulers of China, were not our friends. They're not our friends. And I and, and I, you know what? They're not the friends of the Chinese people either. There I mean, was the enemy. It has taken until practically this week to get the World Health Organization to send investigators to Wuhan. Took them more than a year. Well, to and get I don't trust what, I don't trust what the WHO is going to say either. But they were the mm-hmm. only ones who did go, and it took a year. A year. And guess what? We've now found out. Well, the the scientists are admitting they were bitten by the bats. I mean, it's you know. We knew that, or we thought we knew that. No, we were we were told it was from a, a food market. Yeah, but, okay, very shortly after that, <laughs> there was a Chinese, and I'm talking about in mainland China, there yeah. was a group of Chinese investigators. And before the Communist Party took over, they went and, you know, they said, we're going to investigate this, and they drove to Wuhan. Right. And they went around, and they said, it can't come. It can't have come from the meat market because it's a different virus. And those particular bats weren't being sold in the meat market. You're right. So they went over and knocked on the door of the lab oh, yeah. and say, can we come in? And they said, yeah, there was a guy who got bit and he went out and puked on everybody. And so they published this in a Chinese medical journal. And then? It disappeared. Really? Disappeared. How about that? And nobody talks about it anymore. Okay. And so now finally the WHO is out there and they're saying, yes. 
we had bit, and there was a guy who yeah. got real sick and went out and puked on people. See, I, I remember being told that it was a conspiracy theory. Now, you can call anything anything. But when you call it a conspiracy theory, already people are saying, well, you're yeah, not. it's a conspiracy It's theory. a conspiracy right. theory, yeah. so it must not be true. Well, there was a conspiracy. The, but but it was a conspiracy, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy to hide it. No, but there was a, you were called a conspiracy fanatic if you were, you were telling people, you know, they got this lab in the town <laughs> and they deal with deadly diseases. And, and they're guess studying what? these bats. And you can buy online now Wuhan Lab T-shirts, okay, and Wuhan Lab University. Coincidentally, it also happens to be the epicenter of a major pandemic. And people said to me, Dave, come on. It's from a meat market. It's from eating cows or dogs Well, remember they they wanted to blame it on the pangolins. Turns out the pangolins don't get sick from it, and they don't pass it on. Pangolin? Pangolins are these really cool animals that curl up in a little ball. Yeah, (laughs) P-A-N-G-O-L-I-N, pangolin. I'm not kidding. That's okay. An animal. All right. I'm just. That's fine. All right. Listen. It. Knock us off this topic. If you've got a question about your own health, Doctor Weefold is happy to field your question. He'll give you some suggestions. He'll guide you into the questions that you should ask your doctor. And don't wait till the end of the hour. No. You don't have to. Everybody says, "Well, I can't interrupt him." Interrupt me. You know why? Because <laughs> I am what's called a bloviator. Well, the, I do the, not stop. The, truth the mouth is, does not close. The truth is, on the show, we're not going to stop and then wait until you call. You just go ahead and call, and we'll interrupt ourselves. Absolutely. It's okay. 919-860-9783. Call any Saturday between noon and 2. 919-860-9783. Heart Health Radio. This is the Heart Health Radio Network, where you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by listening in. Medical misinformation. This week, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Again, two weeks in a row. That's pretty good. He said... We're pretty bad. He said that Hank Aaron got the Moderna shot... And died. Which technically is correct. Okay, so it did happen. We were talking before about this post hoc propter hoc thing, and that is a medical term that means something happened and afterwards something else happened. Does not mean it's causal. So I chewed a piece of juicy fruit, and two and a half weeks later I died. Right. Does not mean the juicy fruit kills you two and a half weeks later. Sure. Now Hank Aaron is a national international hero. Right. In the pre-steroid era, he hit 755 home runs. That's right. And he had the lead until Barry Bonds and testosterone injections beat him. Well, he decided that he was going to, early on, take the vaccine. He was in the group above age 75. He was 87 years old, I believe. And he took it and did fine. And I'm not sure he probably even got his second dose two weeks later. Well, he, he died either yesterday or the day before, um, and they haven't released the cause of death yet. So RFK Jr., who is a huge anti-vaxxer, gets on the airwaves and says, see, I told you the vaccine was bad. It killed Hank Aaron. And, you know, it's reprehensible, you know, especially because, you know, the slugger um, decided to be 
public right. about getting the vaccine mm-hmm. to show people it was safe. So, you know, shame on you. Paul in Raleigh, great to hear from you today. Welcome to Heart Health Radio. Thank you. Hey. What's I up? wanted to ask if the doctor would comment on the use of fermented food or fermented drinks uh, to help boost our biome, which in fact helps boost our immune system to fight off certain things. And I uh, wanted to see what he thought about that. That's a great question. It's under a lot of study. Um, the biome that uh, he's talking about um, is the inner makeup of our bodies by the billions of bacteria that live in there. And it's a huge um, uh, area of research now because they're tying the biome to all sorts of things, our mental health, our immune system, even the cardiovascular system. There are um, patterns of different bacteria in our guts that are associated with heart attacks. That it, it may be the genetic component of obesity is that we allow certain bacteria to live in our guts that don't um, allow the sugar and the simple carbohydrates to be digested right, and so they're absorbed as fat, for example. So fermented drinks, they're talking about um, yeast turning some of these teas and things like that into fermented beverages, i.e. alcohol. But when you drink a fermented beverage that is raw, that is not processed, and you drink it, you get those different organisms, the different bacteria. So there's a thought that drinking fermented drinks, such as the, the gentleman's talking about, may improve our biome. So it's under study. There is a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence and some early evidence that it's actually boosting our immune health. Um, I would be very careful about um, what you do take. Uh, make sure it's more of a brand name thing than a homebrew, mm-hmm. because at least you're going to find out if the brand names have some sort of side effect. Now, these have been around for years, and I don't think anyone has said there's any danger to them, and the alcohol content of these things is very low. But it gives us a picture of how important the bacterial concentrations and, and types are. We have more bacteria in our gut than we do have human cells. And so it's a symbiotic relationship. We can't live without our bacteria, and they can't live without us. And the certain types of bacteria improve our health, and certain types destroy our health. So I think it's a great, great question. I can't tell you that it's a definite good thing, but I can tell you it's an area of research that's very exciting, and there's a lot of promise. Paul, thanks a lot. John from Cary, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hey, John. Good. You're nowhere near your phone. Come on over and pick up that handset. Yeah. What's up? Uh, I, I love your show. You guys are great. Thank you. Uh, Thanks. Doc, You, uh, I would love to be your patient, but I'm sure you've got a waiting list a mile long. Well, you know what's interesting, and I don't promote my show, but I'm starting to see a lot of people come in, and one of the reasons why they're coming in is they're not getting better with the care they're getting. And my um, shtick almost now is, is getting somebody who's been told they have a certain thing 
and then, you know, having a fresh set of eyes on it. So I had three last week, and when we come to the shout-outs, I'm going to talk about one of the patients Good. who is going to get better. John, do you have an issue going on right now? You know, I have a couple, but the reason for my call, actually, yeah. was uh, while the doc was explaining uh, the spike protein and so on and so forth, yeah. I'm thinking, why don't we include, you know, if they – if to to get the um, you know the the, the strains that are, are changing, mm-hmm. why don't we include several chemicals, you know, one for what we got right now, and then the chemical for the new strain. Well, you know, that's what we talked about. Yeah. And so can can we get those all at one time? Well, this is what I'm asking him to do. And yet, you know, the powers that be may have a reason that I don't know why they can't do that. And, you know, the the greatest thing would be to get the messenger RNA, which is the chemical that is the program for one spike protein, and then the messenger RNA, which codes for the mutant spike protein – Put them in the gamish. Just mix them together. Right. Right. That's what you're saying. Yes. And and see, the whole concept of the vaccine is it's a, a fat globule. Yes. And you put the mRNA in the fat globule. Right. And then you inject it. So I think that, you know, brilliant. Yeah, John. John is brilliant. No, he's great. By saying, put them all together and stick them in. John, I want you working great. for oh, Moderna. Huh? Yeah. Call up Moderna and tell them you, you want to work for them as your idea man. <laughs> John, do you know what would sound funny? If you really did call him up and you used all of the technical terms, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is John from (laughs) Kerry. I didn't go to medical school, but listen, couldn't you put the spike protein? Here's what she said. This is the medical (laughs) term. The the particular messenger RNA for the mutant South African strain (laughs) should be combined with the specific messenger RNA for the garden variety COVID into the lipid capsule. Right. And injected into our human subjects. And two weeks you, later, Doc. you're right on. <laughs> two weeks later, just for fun, add the monoclonal antibodies, which yeah. because you of, go. if you listen to this show, you know what they are. And a little invermectin to go, <laughs> invermectin. To go with it. John, you're brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Keep up the good work, guys. I will try. Thanks a lot. One day I'm going to call up these. I think I need some more fermented drinks today. (laughs) What do you think? I think he was talking more about fermented food like sauerkraut and things like that. Yeah, but still, no, but there are drinks that they're actually fermenting. In other words, they put yeast in them. All right. And they put different types of organisms. Tom in Smithfield, you are up next. Also, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefall. And in just a little bit, we're going to hear from Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. But we can squeeze Tom in. Tom from Smithfield, you got some great things going on. What's going on, Tom? Well, I got my second shot. Yes. Yay. Now, this has been a problem in Smithfield. Tell us the process you went through to get your shot. I didn't get it in Smithfield. That's why I got my shot. Oh, where'd you go? I went to to Dunn, and then yesterday I went to Lillington. Wow. How'd you squeeze in? Just by your, you showed them the ID? No problem. There was no problem. 
So tell me how you found out where to go. Did you have to sign up? Did you just show up? What happened? I was told by a friend of mine that's farming down that way. Yeah. That they were giving the shots, you know, pretty regularly. And uh, I called the hospital down there, Betsy. Uh, Betsy Johnson. Mm-hmm. And they said, come on down. That's and, great. And I was supposed Dude. to get the second shot yes, a, a day before yesterday. And uh-huh. you got it. But for some reason, they switched it to Lillington. Okay. The, the, heart, the health department or the hospital up there. So I went to Lillington. They asked for a show of hands who was for the second shot. I raised my hand. It was probably at that time 125 people in front of me in the line. They said, okay, everybody's got a second shot. Come on. That's great. Uh, and night, and did, did you try getting it at Johnston Medical Center? I UNC? gave up. Johnston would just, it just, it, 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 I won't even get into that. I live here. They might come after me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, let me tell you, listeners out there, I am, I signed up as a giver of the vaccine through the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. It took me five tries. The website crashed, and then I put all my information, and then they sent me another email saying I didn't put any information. Anyway, yeah. I finally got it. And call them. Guess what? What? They ain't got none for me, as so, they say in Johnson County. So you're approved. I am approved. But you don't have any. I don't have any. And it's frustrating. We call every day. And so what I tell my patients now, I look online and I print out where the day, what days they're giving it. So they gave it at West Johnson, 500 doses. They gave it at North, the high school, North yeah. Johnson High School. Um, the hospital, is. I don't think they're giving um, to the citizens. They just gave them to their um, employees. Right. And then the health department is doing a great job under – Tremendous stress um, because they don't have enough vaccine. Tom, thank you very much. Well, I got one thing. To, one yeah, point. you go ahead. Why do they say take for the, any pain or anything of the fever, which I've got a low-grade fever that they will probably have. I'm 80 years old. Why you sound great. Cetaphetamine and not one of the other. Uh, okay. Are they okay. telling you to take it or to not take it? Tell They're me, Tom, me, yeah. that's either or. Are they are they telling you not to take it? They tell me to take it. It's not about me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Tylenol is not an anti-inflammatory uh, acetaminophen. It works by lowering your fever. We don't know how. But yeah. it probably works in the brain, in the hypothalamus, in a regulatory system to just say, hey, fever now. Now, Advil or ibuprofen it's an anti-inflammatory. It actually works on the chemical, preventing the chemical um, from being made in your body that promotes inflammation. That's how it lowers the fever. They're saying stay away from Advil or ibuprofen because it might make your immune response less. I can Uh-oh. tell you this. That's a guess. There is no evidence for that. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I guess I would go by their recommendation of just oh, taking Tylenol. I, I no. I tell you, though, I will take the Advil because Tylenol doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what works, though? Really Uh, great for pain? I don't know. A combination. Take Advil and Tylenol together. And guess what I saw on the shelf the other day? What? Advil with acetaminophen. They're putting them together. Oh, they are. And you get it on the shelf. Well, Tom, I've got to run because I've got Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Thank you, Tom.
And I'll tell you what, you know, my doctor gave me something for pain, makes it go away every time. He wrote me a prescription. It's called a placebo. Oh, yeah. A placebo. I take it. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, it works faster than anything I've ever been on. They used to call them sugar pills, but now well, they, they, they don't put sugar on them. Well, they are delicious. Yeah. They are del- I'll give you that. Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. How you doing, Rose? All right. Actually, uh, I was listening to that with interest, Dr. Weefault, because, uh, you know, I do my continuing ed. Yeah. Credit to keep my nursing license active. And right now I'm sitting through a uh, a program on pain management. And yeah. there's some good data out there showing that that combination of um, uh, acetaminophen and ibuprofen works better than opioids, too. Yeah. It was a bit, you know who did the study first? Hmm. It was dentists. Yeah. yeah. They did. They did it. It was great. They did a real big study. They gave half Percocet. And they gave half, um, 600 of ibuprofen with 1,000 of uh, acetaminophen. Yeah. And then they came back and said, how was your pain? And more people had pain relief with the Advil-Tylenol combination than those with the Percocet. So you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. It's very pro- – and that's what I take for pain. Rose has pain. been following up on these bottlenecks. Yeah, what's, what's going, going on? on? Well, I think, you know, there's there's bottlenecks at all levels, right? So I think there's bottlenecks with doses getting from the feds to the state. And what it's not clear to me quite yet is there had been this, uh, you know, threat that, like, oh, you, your state was slower, so we're going to give you fewer vaccines. And now that – so I'm not sure that if we're getting fewer vaccines from the feds because we had had a slower rollout – but now there's all these places that are doing these mass vaccination clinics, and, and Dr. Cohen has basically told folks in the state, like, go out and exhaust all of your first doses. Yeah. And I think people are doing that. Yeah. They're going to give 16,000 doses out in Charlotte this weekend at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, but dang. then yeah. I started getting phone calls from people in the triad area where they were saying, hey, we had appointments at Cone Health and they're delaying our appointments because they're not getting any next week at Cone Health. Wow. Um, and some of the other hospitals, the smaller hospitals, they're not the giant like Atrium out in uh, Charlotte, but, you know, they're, they're getting lesser amounts of vaccine at, you know, Wake Forest Baptist and High Point Regional and places like that. Novant is complaining. So I think it's, now it's sort of like, why are things, and this is the question I've been actually trying to answer for the past couple hours, why are things being um, distributed the way they are? Well, I think um, in the beginning, they wanted to make sure, and overly careful to make sure, that only the quote-unquote people who were uh, scheduled to get it, you know, first the hospital workers and and then the six, 75 years and older, and then, and they were being too cautious about that. I think. I think. Um, I think you're right. I think they yeah. were being very kind of going slowly. And what I, you know, what Dr. Cohen said last week during her press conference or on Thursday, she was like, "Okay, we've got all our systems, you know, kind of up and ready to go, and they're poised and they're ready to give out vaccines." And now we're hearing that at the federal level. There's not as many vaccines to give. And then I don't know if you saw this this morning. I was reading um, that apparently Pfizer, you know how they were finding that sixth dose? 
Yeah. Pfizer virus. And now they're giving less do- less doses. I mean, less bottles. Well, they're giving they're giving less vials, so they'll still get yeah. the same number of doses, but they'll have less vials. And I think people yeah, that's have what been I'm hoping. Oh well, hey, this is kind of our bonus dose, and we'll be able to get more people vaccinated. But yeah. the Pfizer people were like, Mm-mm. <laughs> "Do you have Do you have Mandy Cohen on your speed dial?" I wish I did. Um, I do. Well, she knows her. who you are, right? She doesn't know me. Can oh, you yes, do me a favor? Who I am, and I've Can you call her on Monday and ask her to send me a hundred doses, please? I uh, am, well, and that's not I, for I, me. That's for I, my patient. I wish I could get. Through I'm kidding. To her. I'm kidding. I wish I could get through to her. I've got their press officers. There was oh, about two months ago. I I wanted to ask her some questions. It took ten days to get some time from her. I mean, I, I'm sure this woman is extraordinarily busy. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's just it's really it's, it's frustrating because I think a lot of folks are ready to go and um, and they really. I, I think the thing that one of the things that was a miscalculation was I think the, there was so much concern about vaccine hesitancy that I don't know if they really took into account the just extraordinary demand. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rose, thank you. Thank you for keeping us up to date. I want everybody to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org to keep up to date on this and, and read that all the time and sign up for the newsletter. Um, there's something that's totally non-COVID that came out in the news. It's What's that? a surgical connection to Alzheimer's. Yeah. And I want people to also know, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about a surgery. The headline said this surgery could help your diabetes or even cure it. Now, I, I, okay. Oh, no, I, I agree. You do? Okay. I All right, think let's it talk is about one of the biggest things to cure diabetes. All right. Let's talk about the surgery connection to Alzheimer's. Well, I think there's two things to worry about. Um, when you have surgery, uh, you may not know this, but it's equivalent to being shot with a shotgun, right? Think about it. Yeah. I mean, they're slicing open your body. Amen, yes. And then they're messing around with whatever they're messing around with, and then they're sewing you back up. Yes. And then waking you up. And so even though your experience during the surgery is benign uh-huh. because your brain is, you know, is shut down, um, there's inflammation. And inflammation and healing go hand in hand. Um, when you cut somebody open and then sew them back up again, your immune system works to not only fight an infection, right. but to also heal. Uh-huh. So Alzheimer's is felt to be at least in part and maybe more so um, a product of, of uh, or at least made worse by inflammation. So what they did was they, they took a sample of spinal fluid in patients yeah. And measured the amount of these amyloid-type proteins, which apparently are correlated with Alzheimer's. And then they did surgery on them. Yeah. And then they re It's called a spinal tap. They did the spinal tap again. Yes. And the amyloid proteins were soaring in number. But what they also did was do like a mini mental test. Have you ever had one of those? Where yeah. they say, remember these three numbers, eight, six, and twelve. Yeah, on and they the show. Make you draw, yes. They make you draw these squares and circles, and they give you a score. Yeah. Well, they did a mini metal before surgery. Yeah. They did a mini metal after surgery. Yeah. And it was down. Really? They got an A plus to a D. I'm okay. Exaggerating. But the point is, yeah. is that major surgery, um, if you have early Alzheimer's, can bring it out. And. The recovery is eh, hit and miss. But I can tell you one surgery 
that is really associated with deterioration of mental function in some people is open heart surgery. Yes. Because, see, there's plastic tubes, and they take all your blood out. Of course, it's anticoagulated, so it doesn't clot on the plastic. And then they circulate it through this thing that gets oxygen in and carbon dioxide out. Uh So it's a heart-lung machine. It provides the pressure to flow the blood, and it provides the oxygen. Well, when you think about it, the plastic is going to leach in. And you're always going to have little tiny blood clots. So this is called pump head, P-U-M-P, because we, as doctors, refer to the heart-lung bypass machine as the pump because there's a circular pump that moves the blood through. Sure. And we call it pump head because people come back and, you know, they can't do the New York Times crossword puzzle as well. Right. And if you do an MRI on some people, yeah. oh, my gosh, you have a normal MRI beforehand and then it really lights up. Now – they have noticed um, the pump head syndrome, and they are doing all sorts of things to prevent it. Um, there's even something called off-pump open-heart surgery, where they don't put you on a heart-lung machine. What they do is they do it on a beating heart. So they sew the artery onto the aorta, the big pipe carrying it out to the body, and then they slow the heart down so it's not beating very fast. Right. And they sew and they sew, and then the heart beats, they stop sewing. And then they sew, and so heart beats, they stop sewing. Unbelievable. So it, it is to prevent this pump head. But if you're going to have surgery, um, talk to your – and also the type of anesthesia. So yes. sometimes anesthesia can have an effect for weeks on your brain because it shut it down and then has to bring it back up. I had that. You had brain head? I, I mean, had, you had anesthesia head? I had surgery about three years ago. What and was What was the surgery? It was a foot surgery. It was, it was uh, no big deal. It was, a, you know, 20 minutes in, 20 minutes but Did in. they put you to sleep for that? They, they, no, they gave me the other thing. What is it? Spinal? Uh, no, no, no. Where you, you don't, it's not you're under, but you just don't care. Oh. It's, it's like when you're listening to the show. Exactly. You're <laughs> you just listening. don't care. You just don't <laughs> care. Yeah, it's like when I'm on the show, actually, is what it is. But here's the thing. I kept missing meetings after that. I said, today's Wednesday? I can't believe it's Wednesday. I just was not as sharp as I was. It's cleared up, of course. You can tell from listening to the program. What's your name again? That I'm sharp as a, as one of those little little metal things that they put on a yeah, bulletin thing. board. Yeah. I'm as sharp yeah. as one of them. Tack. Is that what That's it is? That's the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk to Carl and Durham and also shout out some folks in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm shouting out Hank Aaron. I was a life well lived. He did, was you, a, did you see that um, game where he hit the I did. 7.55? I did. Or I no, remember watching it on 7. TV. 7.13. He ended at 7.55, but Babe Ruth was 7.12 and he hit 7.13. Yeah. The interesting thing was that he's rounding the bases and all these people were running onto the field. Right. And one guy was trying to pat him on the back, and he gave him the Heisman. You know, have you ever heard that term, giving somebody the Heisman? Yeah. yeah. The Heisman trophies, get your hand stuck out. So I was thinking to myself, here he hits a home run. Yeah. And he knows how to give someone the Heisman trophy, yeah. you know, too. He's great, man. Who else? Uh, we're shouting out Francis Woodard. Francis was a patient, and then she went, you know, in a different route and saw another cardiologist for a while. Yeah. And her legs were swelling, and she was getting recurrent infections. 
And so the other doctors were just giving her antibiotics and giving her antibiotics and uh-huh. say, stop eating salt and wear, you know, this and don't do that and keep your legs propped up. So she came back. She's yeah. she's she's one of the boomerang patients. You yeah. know, they, they go. And, and I don't mind. I mean, you know, people need to follow their heart, mm-hmm. so to speak. And if yeah. the heart is somewhere else, so, you know. <laughs> but the boomerangs are, are large in number. So anyway, I, I look at her. Yeah. And okay, we do have to treat you with antibiotics, but we're going to try a new one. But we've got to do an ultrasound on your legs. So she had big swollen legs, and they were giving her large doses of diuretics. So you've heard of the term Lasix or furosemide. Right. And it got to the point where her kidneys were weak because they were getting rid of so much fluid. So we did the venous ultrasound. Venus means vein. And we found out she had venous reflux. Now, what does that mean? You got about... Eight big veins in your legs. The arteries shoot blood down real fast and under pressure. The veins bring it back slowly. And so you have to have a valve. Um, So it goes up your leg Uh and then slows. You don't want it flowing backwards. So there's a valve that traps it. Then more blood flows. And so, you know, one of the big reasons why your veins, your blood moves back up is you walk. Those muscles squeeze the veins and the blood poops up, squirts up. Well, her valves had stopped working in some of the major veins. Right. So there was pressure building up by the fact that the blood wasn't flowing as quickly as it should have. So once we got her infection cleared up, I sent her to Dr. Lair. Remember he was on the show? Yeah. He's an invasive radiologist. Right. And we used to use lasers. It's interesting. It's called an ablation. Now think about it. Wait a minute. The vein's not working. You want to get rid of it. Why do you get rid of it? So the other veins that have valves can take over. Right. So he used super glue. No <laughs> joke. We used to put la- these really fancy lasers up there, and the laser, all it did was heat the tip. Okay? Yeah. But you put super glue, and you seal that vein up that's not working. Ah. The other veins that have good valves take over, and they get bigger, and her edema's gone. Okay. And her infection's gone. So shout out to her. The boomerang patient came back. Good. Fresh set of eyes, and we fixed it. We got to pick up with Carl in Durham. Sure. Carl, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? I'm good. How you guys? Doing? Good. How's Durham? How's Bull City? Oh, Bull City's perfect. Couldn't All be right. better. Look, I listen to your show every week, and I've actually called in last week. Oh, great. So I got a follow-up question from that and then another question. Sure. Uh, last week when we were talking, I was telling you about an app I had on my phone that measures your blood oxygen level. And you downloaded it while you were talking to me. And I was curious if you calibrated it with your equipment at your office to see if it was as correct as your equipment. Did you compare uh, your professional equipment with the app on the phone, doctor? Uh, no, I did not. He did not. I'm sorry. Let me tell you what happens. No. In, what happens? What's the app called again? Uh, I can look on my phone to find it. He's looking on his phone. To find it. It's a blood oximeter app oh, we oh, were oh, talking oh, about. Oh, yes, I did do that. Yes. And it was correlating. Yeah. So I got night. You know, I'm so, you know, this is what we talk about Alzheimer's. Yeah. You know, when I'm in the office every day, I'm seeing all these patients. I get it. And so I have to separate, I have to delete my short-term memory as I move from room to room. Sure. But no, I did. I have three separate um, pulse oximeters because I'm using them all the time. And yeah. that's the ET thing you stick on your finger. And so I did myself. Right. 
and I put one on three fingers, and one was 97, one was 96, one was 98. That's pretty good. Sure. So I downloaded the app. Um, there And there are a couple apps that that you um, link to the other one, uh, to a um, you know an external one, to memorize, to store. Okay. But then there's some other apps, and I got 96, and then I got 98. So it worked. Now, I didn't do it on somebody who was low because I didn't have anybody real low that week. But next week, I'm going to find somebody who's got a low oxygen, and I'm going to use the app and see if they correlate. Be yeah. No, for me, it got the right numbers for my good – you know, I've got good oxygen levels. <laughs> no, I do. But it did get the right number for me. Good. All right. So next, next week, I'll try to find somebody with a low oxygen level, and yeah. I'll get back to you. Now, Carl, Dave, thank Dave's you. in charge of reminding me. Okay. I'll do yeah, it. I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got another question. Sure. Uh, yes. So the, right now you got Moderna and Pfizer, and I heard somebody talking or somewhere somewhere, I don't know. Is Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca are coming out with theirs sometime? They're saying the middle of February. I'm hoping it's and, earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and someone was saying that there's a big difference between the first yes, two and are. these yeah. two. Do you, are you familiar with what that difference might be? How it? Yes. Very familiar. So the Moderna is a messenger RNA in a fat globule. The other two from J&J and AstraZeneca are an adenovirus that only infects gorillas, but it gets into us and doesn't cause disease. They've spliced into the genetic material of the adenovirus the um, genetic material to produce the spike protein. So both of those only need to be stored at um, minus four degrees, and they can be at room temperature for longer. So I think, and and only one dose each, not two doses. So I think, I think that's going to be the answer to getting more people vaccinated. Are these two, the J and J, Johnson and Johnson, and the AstraZeneca? Will they be more effective than their first two? Or uh, the J and J efficacy hasn't been um, uh, publicly announced yet. The AstraZeneca was slightly lower when they gave full dose, full dose, and with half dose, uh, it was better. So I, the answer is probably equivalent. Okay, good, good. Well, thank you very much. I enjoy listening to you guys. I enjoy your call. Thank you, Carl. The oxygen thing, yeah. that little sensor. Oximeter. Oximeter costs about $39. Right, it's very cheap. Uh, what good does it do me? we got a, about a half a well, minute. Well, if you're that. healthy, it doesn't do you any good. Okay. It's good for people who have lung disease, who uh, get real short of breath yeah. or you know get pneumonia. It's good to see if they need supplemental oxygen. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Very, I want to add that because I know that people Oh, I'm work, glad you did. You yeah. know, I always assume people know what's, what's, what's up. Yeah. That's why you're here. That's why I'm To I, say what's I, down. Got to have somebody here. Yeah. This is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. 
And if you have a question on today's show, just call us up at 919-860-9783. If you missed the first hour of the show, first of all, shame on you because it was fun for us anyway. I mean, honestly, we've been having fun here. Uh, a, a laugh a minute. And if we could remember what we said. Right. From, from moment to moment, we're not sure. See, people say, gosh, I, don't ne- I listen to the show and I never know what you guys are going to say. Uh, we don't either. <laughs> exactly. So so go to Apple Podcasts or HeartHealthRadio.com. I've actually just recently signed up for Apple Podcasts and get downloaded every week and uh, listen you to You haven't had Apple Podcasts? No, I haven't. What is wrong with you? Well, I just it, it was not a priority. I'm on the show. I know what we talk about. And yeah, then I, that's true. I go and I do some editing. I like to so, listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. You know, you say, oh, I should have said that differently. Oh, no, yeah. I go to hearthealthradio.com. Oh, you do listen. Two clicks and you're there. Yeah. Listen, we got a couple of unfinished businesses. Uh, surgery for diabetes we're going to talk about. There's apparently something going on with COVID uh, where people are having heart attacks and they're not traditional types of heart yeah, attacks. Yeah, it's really weird. What is it? Okay, so um, it's something bad kind of heart attack. It's called a STEMI. Have you heard of that term? No. S-T-E-M-I, all capitals, STEMI. That means ST elevation myocardial infarction. Now, the EKG has a P wave, the QRS, and then the T. Oh, we all know that. Yeah. Okay. So the particular type of heart attack, is, it's called a tombstone because instead of a squig, it goes up and it stays up and then goes down. It looks like a tombstone. That's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. That's the worst kind of heart attack. Because that's associated with a complete blockage of blood flow in the, one of the vessels or arteries that feeds blood to the heart. So right. they noticed that these COVID patients are getting STEMIs at a higher rate. And so they will go in and do a heart catheterization to put a stent in to open up the artery. And they're finding that a lot of them have no cholesterol buildup. Okay. So they have a normal appearing artery. Most heart attacks, almost all, yeah. are caused by a plaque of cholesterol, a, a gamish that forms on the inside of the blood vessel that ruptures. And the surface, which is supposed to be smooth, is no longer smooth, and the inner fats and cholesterols are exposed to the bloodstream, and they cause a clot. That clot completely blocks off the flow of blood. Well, you go in to some of these COVID patients having a heart attack, and the arteries are nice and smooth. And then, boom, there's a clot that's just blocked it off, coming from they don't know where at first. Well, now they have an idea. We knew that COVID infection can make some people form autoantibodies. That is to say, an antibody against yourself. Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. Well, the COVID patients can develop antibodies against heart tissue. They can develop antibodies to against other types of tissue. Well, they they develop an antibody that causes clotting. And we've seen this exact antibody in people with lupus. Have you ever heard the term lupus? Sure, yeah. Lupus is a systemic autoimmune disease. You get antibodies against your skin, your brain, your joints. It's really kidneys. It's really bad. But they can clot because they form something called anti-cardiolipin antibody. And cardiolipin helps regulate the clotting system. When you have an antibody against it, you clot too much. So I've seen 16-year-olds have heart attacks, and they have an anti-cardiolipin antibody. They are hyper, like we are on the show, hypercoagulable. Yes. So if you see a young person 
who's had a heart attack, 16, 17, they can have a clotting disorder and cause a normal artery to clot. And this is from COVID. And this is what's happening from COVID. So a lupus patient will have it. Mm -hmm. Some people have these autoimmune antibodies uh, out of the blue. So that's the only manifestation of their autoimmune disease is they have an antibody against cardiolipin and they clot. And they don't have lupus. They just have this. Well, the COVID patients, get, remember they, we talked before, they can get clots in their veins or their legs. Yeah. They can get clots in the arteries to their feet and wind up losing a foot. Well, now we know that they can have heart attacks from this, from clots that are just blocking off a normal artery, as opposed to a regular heart attack, which blocks off from a cholesterol plaque that clots. When I said, oh, that's terrible. It is terrible. About the tombstone on the Yeah, it is terrible. It's a terrible-looking thing. Well, see, here's the thing. I didn't react to that as if, well, it's a terrible thing that their EKG looks like that. It's. I think it's a terrible thing that doctors have come up with a nickname for it called tombstone. Oh, listen, you wouldn't believe the nicknames we come up with. Just like the widowmaker. Yeah. The the part of your heart. That's sexist. The the widowmaker. It should be called the widow slash widower. That's terrible. The whole thing is terrible. Yeah. D in Chapel Hill, <laughs> you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi. Dave, you are not a good secretary. Uh, last week, uh, Dr. Weasel uh, I, started to talk about uh, guard and he said, you remind me, Dave, and you didn't remind him. Do you know it's in my notes? It's yeah, right in front we're of me. We're going to talk about Colaguard. I have 119 things written down. The next one is Cologuard. And and I have done some tremendous research on Cologuard. Well, I did remember. D, as you well know, colon health is – that's one of my bailiwicks. I absolutely am so obsessed with that topic. Well, I was demonstrating gonna, my colon health during the commercial. I Dave would, didn't like it. I'm going to step back <laughs> and let the doctor go ahead and tell us about Cologuard. Why do you get so upset when I talk about stools? Pencil stools. He got really mad about that. Anyway, so a colonoscopy <laughs> you're supposed to have when you're 50, and then yeah, if you I know all about that. Yeah, I'm just giving the other. I'm giving the uh, the listeners <laughs> who didn't me. listen last uh, time. Forgive me. Is there something bad about colonoscopy? Something bad? Is there something bad? No, it's great. Negative. Oh, good. Okay, because I've had it, but I'm going to have it a second time yeah. because my my colonoscopy was canceled because of COVID. We, we all need to know. Regular my regular doctor is annoyed that I haven't had the colonoscopy. But, you know, when because of the pandemic we're in, you know. Yeah. They had D, let's let the doctor di- define what it is for folks who yeah, are not, so, like you yeah. and I, experts. So uh, Cologuard is a test. It's a test on the poop. And they're looking for the DNA. And I was going to say what these genes were, but David waved me off. Anyway, they look for the DNA of a couple of genes that are associated with colon cancer. So if you have a colon cancer, the cancer produces these proteins. The genes are active. And so you can pick it up in the poop because when there's a colon cancer, it's producing these, the genes are active, producing these different proteins, and they show up in your stool. And it also checks for blood. So the combination of the presence of these genes yes. and the blood is 92% specific for a colon cancer. Okay. So there are false positives and false negatives, but they're small numbers. So there's a false negative rate on a colonoscopy. It depends on how good you are at uh-huh. doing it. You can miss a cancer. 
Well, the Cologuard is pretty good, 92%. Um, you're only missing 8% of the cancer. So people are now saying you can just do a Cologuard instead of having a routine colonoscopy. Okay. I, I think the jury's still out. I've had three colonoscopies, all by the same guy. I'm going to shout him out, Christopher Jordan. Yeah. He has an anesthesiologist there uh, or a nurse anesthetist. And I got the Michael Jackson juice. I got the um, propofol. Yeah. And I remember him looking at me and I went, bang. And then I woke up. Yeah. And it was all done. No discomfort, no nothing. And I've got polyps. So he's taken out three polyps so far. And I think it's a great thing. Now, here's the thing about Cologuard. It doesn't pick up polyps. It only picks up cancer. Okay? Yeah. So when you take a polyp out, you are preventing a possible cancer. Not all polyps turn into cancer. Um, but I, I'm i not going to do the Cologuard. I mean, I might do the Cologuard right before I go into my colonoscopy right. and see if it correlates. Now, I'm going to be scared blank, blankless sure. if my Cologuard is positive um, because I don't want colon cancer. But – if your colagard's positive, you need to have a colonoscopy. Okay. Because you can snare, and what's a snare? It's like you know a little metal thing on a loop of the colon, um, of the colonoscopy thing, uh, the probe, and they can, if it's on a stalk or if it's easy, you can just put the snare around it, like a cowboy does, and pull off the colon cancer. So I believe in colonoscopies. There yes. are some people trying to sell the colagard as a substitute. I think it's a good screening test. Um, but I think everybody should still have a colonoscopy, at least the beginning. If you're totally clean, you wait 10 years. How old? 50. 50? 50. That was a long time ago I saw 50. Yeah. My doctor suggested some sort of tests when I turned 50. Yeah, and you said you're not putting that where the sun don't shine. I turned – well, the guy was a former former German – um, East German submarine commander. <laughs> Up periscope. <laughs> and I, I thought, you know, as soon as I heard the radar, the sonar going bong, bong, I said, yeah. no, this is not. I yeah. wasn't going to go. But I, I guess I'm going to have to. I, you've not I, had one? Ever? No. I, oh, man. I didn't. Oh, ma- All right. Get yeah. the cola guard. All right. Get the, get the cola guard. Is it? Is this something I'm going to be sitting on the toilet no, with just, a little white thing in my hand you just waiting come, you just, for a no, stripe you, to appear on the thing? You just you just put it in a little dish and then you <laughs> okay. smear a little bit okay. and then you're done. Well, well, I'm glad we had this talk. Uh, I am too. Primarily. It's, it's, it's like when you're talking to your teenager about sex. It's a very difficult thing. You're a little nervous. Yeah. I guess I guess I don't realize um, how easy it is for me to talk about some of these bodily functions because right. I'm a doctor. You know? see, see, I've been a dad and a granddad for so long that until we started doing this show here, I had forgotten most of the actual proper names for private body parts. Huh. I would go into my own doctor and say, listen, anytime I go woo-woo, <laughs> I feel a little tingly in my, you know, you know what. And and, and he would right. have to figure it out. Yeah. Because so, the, the real words are kind of funny sounding. Now. Yes, they are. Let's yeah. not say them. Yeah. Well, unless we have to. It is a medical show. Surgery for diabetes. Yeah. What well, surgery? I have always been a big fan 
of gastric bypass surgery. Now, I will say this. I have a, a patient who had a real bad complication, uh, a leakage of the anastomosis where they are taking out part of your gut and then sewing it back yeah. together. And she had a leakage and very severe pain, wound up having a bad infection, wound up having to be reoperated on, oh my. and she's recovering. Now, I can say this. In my 30-some years of practicing, she is the only one okay. that I personally took care of um, that had a bad reaction. Now, what does gastric bypass surgery do? That reroutes um, the flow of food through your gut and bypasses certain aspects, part of the stomach, etc. And I think it changes what we talked about earlier, which is the biome, the amount, the type of bacteria. And you lose weight. I mean, a tremendous amount of weight um, for some people. I mean, I have a lady who I saw many years after her gastric bypass, and she looks great. Yeah. And so finally I said, well, how much did you weigh before you got operated on? 600 Pound. Heavens. Yeah. Now, what's the biggest problem? You have skin that just sags. Sure. And it's very hard to get insurance companies to pay for the skin removal because they say it's cosmetic. Well, the most amazing thing, and this is something that I've seen. I saw somebody had gastric bypass surgery, and it cured their sleep apnea. It cured their blood pressure, and it cured their type 2 diabetes. And now they've done the study in specifically to show that it was King's College in London. Mm-hmm. Cheerio. Yeah. We're going to do the gastric bypass. They did it in metric. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it took out 2.6 meters. You know, I'm just kidding. That's a number I just made be up. A lot. But it basically cured their diabetes. Now, how does that work? Well, you no longer absorb all the sugar. Uh-huh. So white flour becomes a single sugar molecule. And for those people who are obese and diabetic, those sugar molecules are not handled well. They're absorbed in your bloodstream. They lead to fat accumulation. And your insulin does not um, uh, handle it that well, and your sugar goes up. Right, right. <coughs> and, and folks who listen to the show know I'm diabetic, and I've, you know— I've basically gone through drive-through bypass is what I've done. What's that? That's where you don't go to the drive-through anymore. Oh, yeah. I, I you know. Or I, you, you bypass the pack of chips. That's exactly you right. bypass the ice cream Haven't container. had a pack of nabs in a long time. Really? Yeah. Have you really been eating well? I've been eating relatively well, yes. Yeah. How, how are Dave's sugars now? Dave's sugars are good. Dave's sugars, when I test it and I see a high number, it's 200s. Great. That's high numbers. Great. I'm having a little trouble keeping it near 100. Well, you know you know what I'm going to say? What? I would like 110 to 120. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. want you to have the lows. I mean, when your sugar is 50, describe yeah. how you feel. Uh, well, from a cognitive basis, I've lost my common sense. Okay. Does your heart pound? My heart pounds. Do you sweat? I do sweat. My eyes blink. Not physically blink. But my vision pulses, and, and I think it's with the and my heart races. A sugar of sixty is far worse for you yeah. than a sugar of one fifty. Okay, because when it's sixty and that adrenaline is flowing, that's your body's reaction to try to get the sugar up. Adrenaline makes your sugar go up. Right, right, right. That pounds your heart. I, I've seen people have heart attacks from recurrent episodes of hypo, H Y P O, glycemia. Yeah. 
All right. Well, listen, if you have a question about your health, you can go ahead and call this show, 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. On the shame segment this hour on Heart Health Radio with Dr. Franklin Weefald, we have the governor of New York who keeps saying things that... Yeah, you know, we gave him a shout out recently because he he finally admitted that you can't keep your city closed forever. Right. Well, you know, he's a politician and he knows that there are things you should say and then there are times you should shut your pie hole. What did he say? Well, he said, and quote, I believe it's just a matter of time until there is a strain of COVID that is much more lethal. And I believe you have to anticipate a strain that is vaccine resistant. Uh-huh. I mean, come on. where did you go to biochemistry and molecular biology and, and microbiology school? And if you really, as a politician, want to say this, you have to cite a source. Right. And all the sources that I've seen say that while it is possible, we have no evidence of it. In fact, we have evidence of just the opposite. Now, we have some uh, evidence that the strains that are coming out um, are resistant to the monoclonal antibodies, but they are slightly different and not completely different from those uh, antibodies that are produced by the vaccines. And then, as the caller said before, we have the capability to pivot Quickly, hand off sure. uh, through the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines and put a new piece of genetic material in there to cover the new viruses. So, come on, man. Uh, just don't say that kind of stuff. And again, if you are taking your medical advice from a politician. You are sorely you just, in need of a new doctor. You do. Roy in High Point. How you doing, Roy? Good afternoon. Hey. Afternoon. Are you listening to us on WPTF, or are you listening to us on one of the High Point stations? I am barely getting you from WPTF. Well, if I turn the radio just right. You got a good signal. You're trying to read us, so that's a good thing. Yeah, we love that. It is. Roy, it what's is. up? What do you got going on? Okay, I'm a 63-year-old geezer, yeah. and I was sitting around last week with some of my friends at the local coffee shop solving the world problem. Good. And a question came up, and I, I said, you know, I don't know, but I know a guy, if he doesn't know the answer, he probably can get pretty darn close. Good. So here we go. Yeah. We have, in this area, over in the High Point Greensboro area, but I imagine this could apply to probably any county in the United States, we have a couple of hospitals, smaller hospitals, on, you know, in the, in the, on the outskirts that, for years, they basically have a reputation of, you know, if I get in an auto accident or I get sick, you know, if that's my only choice, just either leave me there or take me to the local vet. <laughs> Ooh, and boy. and we got to talking about that. You know, in this day, you know, we have boards and certifications, and especially in this age, you know, whistleblowers, social media. How do hospitals that have had that reputation for years keep their doors open? Good question. You know, the, yeah. the slightest little problem. You know, my my aunt would have died if we hadn't have gotten her out of there. What, what is with that? 
You know, this is this is a very very tough question. I um, have practiced in small community hospitals, and I have practiced in major medical centers, and I have practiced in you know um, great places like Weight Med. And I can tell you, it's hit or miss. Um, and the number one thing in evaluating a hospital is, I think, the honesty of the hospital, and that is what they can do and what they should not and can't do. So I've had some catastrophes um, with my patients at smaller hospitals, and I've had some incredibly brilliant things happen Mm -hmm. at smaller hospitals. I've had catastrophes at big hospitals. Um, I think what you need to do in evaluating a smaller hospital is find a really good doctor and stick with him or her and decide, you know, hey, a gallbladder is good there, but maybe you should have your brain surgery somewhere else. Now, that's not always a reflection on the individual hospitals. Sometimes it's a reflection on what community hospitals are for. and. Um, I remember, you know, there are some patients of mine who refer to a certain hospital as a goat shack. Now, I don't know what a goat shack is, but I got goats and they stayed in the stalls. Uh. Um, there are there are things that I think I would have done. Um, one of the things I'm going to tell you is that they talk about these awards they get, you know, certifications and patient safety awards. I can tell you right now from personal experience that one of the horrible hospitals that I have worked in has had got a patient safety award. A year after I had somebody die because he fell on the floor, cracked his head, and the nurse didn't come for two hours, even though he pushed a button. Wow. And then another situation where they didn't do maintenance on an operating table and it folded up on the patient. So don't always believe these certifications either. And the answer is word of mouth. Okay. So if you if you know somebody who works there, if you if find a really good doctor and say, look, give me the poop, right. tell me. Okay. And I think that's how you judge it. Roy, thanks a lot. Keep trying to listen to us. Just get that AM radio with an antenna, you know, whatever you need to do. Thank you. He can also listen on, online. He can, but I want him to listen on the radio because okay. that's what we are, a radio station. Okay. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefall? Call 919-860-9783. Coming up in a few minutes, a couple of people to shout out. We're going to talk about melanoma vaccine. Is melanoma skin cancer? Yeah. Okay. The there worst is, kind. There is a vaccine now that's tested well. And do you have a stuffy nose at bedtime? We might have some help on the way for you. Uh, by way of Dr. Franklin Weefall. Who has had a stuffy nose at bedtime really? and is now much better. Okay. All right. Larry from Raleigh, thank you very much for the phone call. Actually, not Larry. Um, we're going to Sam in Raleigh. Hi, Sam. Good afternoon. Hey, hey what's up? Well, um, a question. I just caught the tail end of a comment that Dr. made oh, about an hour ago, and so I missed all of it, that you combined Tylenol and Advil together. Yeah. For pain relief? So how does that work? Okay, so it's a very good question. Um, Advil or uh, ibuprofen is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. We call it NSAID. Uh 
And what that does is it works on the cyclooxygenase. I'm going to give you the medical term. It works on this pathway of inflammation and blocks it. So just imagine inflammation as these little um, sparklers. You know, you have a sparkler, and the, the little sparkler uh, light things come out and, and cause your immune system to go into overdrive. You get a fever. You get a headache from that. So the ibuprofen sort of just, you know, licks your fingers and squashes the uh, sparkler, and the, the sparks come down. Uh-huh. So that's how you get pain relief. It's sort of acting on the site of pain. If you've sprained your elbow, it reduces at the side of the elbow the pain. Now, acetaminophen or Tylenol works in the brain, and we don't quite understand how it lowers your fever because it's not an anti-inflammatory, but it makes your brain less likely to perceive the pain that's coming up, the signal of pain. So when you combine the two, you get what's called a synergistic effect, and that is a medical term that says... The combination gives you a larger relief than each one individually added together. So we talked earlier that, you know, Percocet is oxycodone. That is a morphine narcotic. That binds to your brain and cuts off the the perception of pain. So Percocet was by dentists in a study, you know, they yank your tooth and they flip a coin uh, Joe Blow gets the Percocet, and Mary Jane gets the Advil and Tylenol combination. And the Advil-Tylenol combination beat Percocet for pain. So when you didn't know which one you were getting, you didn't have a bias. You know, oh, Percocet's going to help me better. Yeah. So it's very fascinating. And we said before, go to your uh, store shelf now. Advil, Advil caught up. They said, we're going to put Tylenol in our Advil now. Uh-huh. And you can get that combo in one pill. So what you got to make sure your stomach is not bad to take ibuprofen because if you have an ulcer, it'll make yeah, you bleed. No, and you got to make sure. Also, people don't realize this: your kidneys. If you take a nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory drug like ibuprofen or any other, Aleve is another one. Right. You could hurt your kidneys, um, and so you got to be careful. Um, read the package uh, label as to how much is safe. But before you start this, make sure with your doctor that he doesn't, he or she doesn't have a reason for you not to take these two medications. And I don't know your history, but if you've had liver disease, for example, you shouldn't take very much acetaminophen. Right. Um, sure. You should never take more than two grams a day, no matter who you are, of acetaminophen. That's four extra strengths. Okay, right. a day. So like yeah, and then Advil. I don't recommend taking more than say, you know, six hundred four times a day, but not every day. All right. Now I have a blockage uh, that is I cannot remember which one is an NSAID or not. But okay, I know Advil is NSAID. Okay, I or, will tell or, or, you. And orange, and orange round pills are the uh, yeah, the absolutely. But they've got but they've got on the bottle NSAID. Yeah. I, am I correct that it is a terribly not smart thing to do to take two NSAIDs? Uh, at the same time? At the same time. Um, okay, listen to this. Suppose you take one Aleve yeah. and one ibuprofen. Yeah. That's okay because, okay. you know, they may have different chemicals, but they're working the same place. Okay. What you don't want to do is take three Aleves and four, you know, Advils. Right. Okay. Um, let me just tell you the normal dose of over-the-counter Advil is 200 milligrams. It comes in pills. It comes in gel caps. Okay. Yeah. What's the difference? 
It's a liquid in the gel cap, and the gel is easily melted in your stomach, and it, it, it gets to work quicker. But it yeah. can cause more irritation because it's, well, it's dissolved right in your stomach. He's got a question. Yeah, I'm sorry. Real quick question. So it's, you, know, you, you read the dosages in all the boxes and it says children under 12, one tablet, children or, or adults 12 or older, two. Now, I'm a full-grown man. I probably have a larger body than the average 12-year-old. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. I talked to my physician, and he said, yeah, you can take four, which is the 800 milligrams, yeah. which is the yeah. Without a problem, just don't do it continue. No, I mean, I, your physician said so, and I think 800 is the max dose to take yes. at one time. Right. I usually take three. 400 um, with two extra strength Tylenols, and that does me for 12 hours. I have yeah. chronic low back pain from uh, okay. muscular strain, and that does me really well. The other thing that I do is I take the ibuprofen with some food. Because when you have food in your stomach, there is more likelihood of less damage. Now, I also have acid reflux, so I'm on pantoprazole, which is a proton pump inhibitor, and I'm also on famotidine. And that famotidine also works in a slightly different fashion to lower stomach acid. There is some evidence that famotidine and ranitidine and those things can reduce the damage from um, taking ibuprofen or Aleve. So, but right. again, everybody listening, I'm not saying to go out and shop on these pills. I'm saying right. they may work for you. The combination seems to work for a lot of people really well, Advil and Tylenol. But please yeah. check with your physician yeah. in, yeah. in case he or she knows that you shouldn't be okay. doing it. Okay. Hey, Sam, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I got a story. Yeah. I'm not sure we've got time in the show, but it, it Tell depends the story. on the story. Stories are what we live for. Well, I got a new, I got a brand new uh, specialist this week. What kind? Uh, eye specialist, a retina specialist. Retina ophthalmologist. And and here's the goofy thing. I you knew, I knew, how, no, yeah. I knew how it was going to turn out. I went to my regular doctor, had my eyes checked before the end of the year because I had some money left on my flex card. So I bought a pair of glasses he says, yeah, you know, you're diabetic. You got a little bit of thing here and a little uh -oh. bit of thing here. Let's send you across the street to the retina specialist. Yeah, it's called a ret diabetic retinopathy. Cotton That's wool exactly spots. what it is. So not only do I have a mm. new doctor, but I got a new diagnosis of this diabetic. Do you diabetic. have retinopathy? Yeah, but it's not, it's not anywhere serious. He didn't have to laser it or anything? No, no, no. In fact, his attitude, and by the way, I predicted this. Uh-oh. His attitude is... Yeah, that's very interesting what's going on in your eyes. I'll see you in three months. Which to me well, means... Well, no, wait a minute. That's to, not such a bad idea. No, you know why? Yeah. It could be rapidly progressive. You, so okay. here's the story. I have patients with angina. angina. Yeah. And it's stable. And I can treat them medically. Uh -huh. Newly discovered. Yes. I'll see them back in three months. Yes. The reason is sometimes patients, you know, that you got to drag it out of them. You yeah. got to say, are you having more or less? Well, you know, I don't know. But so then, if they're good, I'll see them in six months. Yeah, you okay. See, then if they're really good, I'll see them in a year. So yeah. that's okay. not such a bad idea. Okay, well, that's fine. I'm just, you, you know. think he's lining your lining his pockets on you? Well, I think he is, yeah. I think that copay is probably, I mean, he mentioned something about being able to name his boat after him. <laughs> he says, listen, Mr. Alexander, if you come back for the next couple of years on this, I'm going to be able to rename my boat. You're such a cynic. I am a cynic.
Marie from Chapel Hill, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi. Hi. What's Thank up? Thank you for taking my call. Oh, sure. Uh, it's great to get a chance to talk with the doctor. Um, I apologize right away because I didn't get to listen to the show earlier. Maybe you guys talked about it or not. But Don't worry I about it. Question. I have a question about the antibodies on with COVID. Yes. Um, so I had gotten COVID in February. I believe I got it. Okay. okay. I haven't gotten tested yet, but I went to um, the Red Cross trying to give blood. Yes. And they said that they could test me and let me know if I have the antibodies. Yeah. So <clears throat> I truly believe I had COVID in February because I, I was going to die. Tell me what. Tell me what your symptoms were. Go ahead and tell your story. Okay, sure. So I started out with a scratchy throat, just like a cold or a flu or whatever kind of symptoms, you know. And then all of a sudden, it went to um, body aches. The body aches from I'm sorry, saying this word on the air, but hell was Mm -hmm. literally the 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 exact perfect word. the body aches, I've never had those body aches in my entire lifetime, and I'm not young. I'm over 50. So <clears throat> um, I had the body aches, and then I had this dry cough. I did not sneeze. I never had a sneeze, or I did. Ne- I never had a runny nose. So okay. I was like, this is the weirdest cold flu thing that I've ever had in my I've never had that in my lifetime, where it was dry, you know. The only thing that I did have was starting to develop a cough. So the cough was getting worse and worse and worse. And then finally I said, even as I started taking cough medicine, went to the pharmacy and got cough medicine, um, then I started having issues breathing. And I got scared because I was like, wow, I've never had problems breathing like this. So I ran to the hospital. And in February, February 24th, they do a test on me um, at Duke, and they said, oh, I just have the flu type B. Okay. And I was like, this is not no flu type B. I'm sorry. Where I, I, I'm not sneezing. I'm not, you know, I don't have the runny nose symptoms, right? Well, um, you don't. So let me tell abnormal. you. Your, your story is pretty classic, actually, for influenza. Did they do the influenza test and tell you it was influenza B? Is that what happened? They stuck the thing in my nose. Yeah, and the I've schnoz only had that test. Once, once, yeah. and I'll never have that again. But but did they yeah, even they test you for COVID? Um, I don't think they did. Yeah, anywhere. back in February, I don't think we were testing routinely. Well, listen, you you could have had uh, COVID, but I kind of think that they were probably right um, about the influenza B. You <laughs> see, everybody thinks of the flu as the flu, but influenza, body aches, fever. Dry hacking cough, really severe headache. And so I think that it makes sense that that you had that. The problem is you could have also had COVID symptoms. Those were COVID symptoms, although the COVID symptoms are much more um, variable. Now, Mm -hmm. here's the way you can tell whether you had it or not is get the antibody test. And what is that? So if you've had COVID, you're going to produce various antibodies that showed your immune system was fighting off the virus. Now, here's the thing. It was almost a year ago. We know now that the level of the antibodies drop. They don't necessarily disappear. So they may have to look a little harder to get your antibodies. Now, I got my antibody test um, because I wanted to see, and I was negative. And I've been negative by my nasal uh, COVID 
PCR test every week for God knows nine months. Right. But that'd be an interesting thing because you want to know what's been what happened last year is that there were a bunch of people who got both at the same time, influenza and COVID. Wow. But you know what happens this year? Hmm. There's no flu. Yeah. It, we beat the flu with the COVID restrictions that we have now, even with all the people who were ignoring them. So that's very interesting. Right. Let us know if uh, your antibody was positive. So um, who could tell me, like, where do I go to get a your doctor. antibody test? Your doctor. It's just okay. the blood test. So you can call okay. your doctor's office and say, I'd like a COVID antibody test to see whether I had it in February. And your doctor should say, you know, send you to a lab or if they draw blood in the office, like I do, they can do it in our office. Marie, uh, thank you. Something quick, they could tell you right away. That uh, it day takes a couple good. days. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. takes a couple of days because you want it done right. You don't want one of these, you know, fly by night. I'll tell you in five minutes because it's probably wrong. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Marie, take care. Um, I do have another thing. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. In, in case in case I do have the antibodies, so the reason why I'm asking about all this, in case I do have the antibodies, um, uh, Red Cross had told me that if I gave blood. With the antibodies, and I had the antibodies, that that would help me save three people's lives because of the antibodies. Okay. She's saying that the Red Cross informed her that she could save three people's <laughs> yeah, lives yeah, if okay. she has the, the convalescent plasma. Sure. So I just had um, one of my uh, employees who had really bad COVID, and her husband nearly died. My. Um, and she wants to know. Um, if she can do donate the convalescent plasma. And so, yes, now I get it. You want to know if you can be a lifesaver. And yes, you can be a lifesaver. So the Red Cross will test you. If you are positive, they will direct you how to give plasma to save lives. And that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. And does that, like, so if if I'm able to do that, can I give the antibodies to somebody that I know? Like, for example... Somebody that I know that is very old, and he's got emphysema problems. Oh, or, no. Okay. Um, Just give it to um, him like preventive. Yeah, to help yeah. him so that he doesn't get sick and die from COVID. Right now, they're not, they're not doing that. Right now, they're taking the plasma from convalescent patients and giving it to only sick people, people who have COVID and are sick in a certain window. Yeah, if you're on the ventilator, it doesn't seem to work. But if you're, you know, sick for three days and have a fever and a cough, it seems to work to suppress it. All right, Maria. We're... And it's the first three days of when they first get COVID. In the beginning, yeah. when you first get COVID, yeah, you, you, it's like dousing a fire. Um, once the, you know, if you've got the flames coming, you can pour water on it and it helps. But if you're at the charred stage where it's just smoking, you yeah. know, and burned up wood, and you pour water on it, it doesn't help. Right. Marie, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank Next you. segment, we are talking about melanoma vaccine, a literal vaccine to prevent the recurrence of uh, skin cancer. And do you have a stuffy nose at bedtime? If you do, we would like you to listen to the next couple of minutes of radio here on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Well. You know you make me wanna Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to this program. Now, if you missed part of the program, 
shame on you. But we've got it all on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. We're shouting out Clifton Fleming. Yeah, Why? This, is, this is one of my new patients uh-huh. who came to me from this show. And have you ever yeah. heard of the term raconteur? Yeah, yeah so he's a raconteur. Yeah. He likes to tell his stories. And he went to a doctor who doesn't have the time for him to tell his story. Uh, so the whole point of what I do and the reason why I do this show yeah. is obviously I love stories. Sure. Because stories in medicine are how you get to understand. And to make a long story short, which is what yeah, Clifton but, doesn't like to do, I gave him 40 minutes just oh to my. let him tell his story. Oh, my. And I figured out what it was. He was having so, – and he's given me permission to talk, so Good. I'm not violating his patient confidentiality. He was having these weird spells where he just didn't feel quite right. Right. And so in listening to his story, it sounded like an arrhythmia, okay? It sounded like – the heart yeah. was maybe be, even though he didn't feel the palpitations, he didn't feel his heart pounding. Right. So we did some tests. His heart muscle function was great, and I did the magic test, the monitor. I put the monitor on him. Now here's the reason why his previous doctor hadn't done it, huh. because he was a super super subspecialist, okay. and he wanted to send him to an electrician to get a monitor. Oh gosh. So I put the monitor on. He has AFib. Right. And so it's what we talked about when I had AFib. It's this electrical abnormality. The upper chamber races every now and then, and he's going to get better. So That's good. The problem with doctors is we have no time to listen to your stories. We're at the computer. We're typing away. We're thinking about to get paid. i got to dictate this note or, no, type it in myself. Sure. And so they're not focusing on the story. And raconteurism is not bad. Yeah. It's how you're going to figure out what's wrong. Phil Tumulty, my my mentor at Johns Hopkins, said, listen to the patient. He'll tell you what's wrong with him. Very good. There is a vaccine now for melanoma. Yeah. It, and, melanoma is a cancer of melanin. So uh-huh. some people are very dark after they get a tan. Yeah. That's the melanin coming out of the um, melanocytes. They produce the dark pigment. Uh, black people have more melanin, uh-huh. um, and you can get a cancer from it. The melan, the melanocytes can become cancerous. Now, there's all sorts of great treatments now for melanoma. Jimmy Carter had a head full of uh, metastatic melanoma, like nine tumors in his brain. Oh, my. And they gave him uh, um, immunotherapy. Uh, the melanomas respond to being killed or they are killed by your T cells and your antibodies. That So they gave him uh, in, in these immunotherapies and it killed all melanocytes that were tumorous and cancer. So they thought, well, wait a minute. Can't we produce some of these antibodies in high numbers by giving a vaccine? So they got some proteins off of these, these uh, melanomas and they were pretty consistent between individuals with melanoma. So you had one I had a different melanoma, but we had the same types of abnormal proteins. Yeah. And they made a vaccine out of it. And they give you the vaccine after you've had a, a treatment for melanoma, and they go away. Yes. Not in everybody, but it's a great advance. And now they think um, immunotherapy is a really big thing for cancers in general. And so they're looking for different vaccines that maybe, just maybe, and again, speculation – 
we may be able to get vaccinated against certain cancers from even developing in the future. Our immune system keeps our cancers in shape. So, and the way we know that is if you have an immunodeficiency, you can get cancers because your immune system is no longer killing them off and preventing them from growing. Is my body constantly fighting cancers? Is at war? Yeah, it's a constant war. Okay, and the way you know is what happens when you die. Your immune system stops working. What happens to your body? It's called putrefaction. Okay, that's when your body starts to decay. Why is that? Because you're no longer killing off the common daily things that we live with, but we don't get suffered from. We don't suffer from because of our immune system. Your immune system is critical. I mean, right now, there are billions of wars going on inside your body. Yes. And your little cells, your immune cells are killing off these bacteria and these parasites and these Uh funguses. Without the immune system, life itself would be impossible. I got a stuffy nose at bedtime. What is that caused by, you think? One of the things that people don't realize is you got to get rid of that pillow. Yeah. I'm not talking about the my pillow guy. I'm talking about your pillow. Yeah. Because when you sleep on your pillow... This may sound disgusting, but your skin is dying constantly and being replaced. It flakes. Yeah. And your pillow absorbs those flakes. Uh-huh. And dust mites love skin flakes, like cornflakes. Yeah. And so you weigh a pillow, uh-huh. and a year later, it's gained half a pound. That's all dust mites. And the number one thing people are allergic to in this country are dust mites. So what I recommend you do is either get a new pillow every three months or get a washable pillow. And the way you kill the dust mites is you put it in the freezer for three hours. Yes. And then you wash it at a very high temperature. Yes. Just a regular wash, and the dust mites will be killed. I just get a new pillow. Yes. I, well, that's my yeah. plan. Because I'm said not that, putting uh, mine in the freezer. And no, I'm not washing. There's no room. The second thing yeah. is the pet dander and regular old dust Get a HEPA filter. Now, what is that? H-E-P-A, high-efficiency filters that filter out things as small as coronavirus. And they get rid of the pet dander. They get rid of uh, all sorts of things circulating. Okay. Go ahead. This is a separate machine, it's not a, machine. a new filter for my It's wall. a machine. It's a machine. Okay. You can get HEPA filters for your wall, but these things force the air and circulate it. And I'm telling you, my, my life is a whole lot better by uh-huh. getting the the. Pillows done. Yeah. Oh, also your comforter. Your really? comforter needs to be changed or oh, we washed. Do, oh, we wash it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. That. We you know, we got dogs. Absolutely. They come in from the outside and they mess up the oh, comforter. Everything. Yeah, yeah. I, we do it. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you. Dr. Weefall did an excellent show. Once again, had about 10 calls today. Really? Yeah. It just goes by so quick. Uh, we, we're very happy. Listen, you know, we're talking about we're talking about HEPA filters in the in – the, uh, in the hallway is Joel Worsham of Comfort First Heating and Cooling. He's going to be on the next show. Oh, well, you know what? Yeah. HEPA filtration. And, whole house. And we're going to go ahead and uh, in a couple of months have a crossover between the medical show and the home show because Brock Emmons is going to want to and come in ho- and talk you know about your mold. Home, your home can make you sick. Your home can make you sick. Absolutely. Right. Excellent. Think about that. And we'll meet back here next week, two hours ago. Next week, two hours ago, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.